Hey everyone, you're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist website. In February, in a cold, snowy Brussels in Belgium, we were joined by my Antipodean life mate, Pete Robinson, talking about Fedora, talking about open source, talking about cloud. We're sitting in the National Theatre in London before the OpenStack third birthday parties at the Bluefin Officers of Canonical just up the road. And we thought it'd be an ideal time to sit down and record a podcast following the launch of Fedora 19 a fortnight ago. So Pete, say hi. Hi all. So Fedora 19, it, it's carried on from Fedora 17 and 18 really as being very, very cloud-centric, hasn't it? Absolutely. Um, the vast, or a large amount of the uh, features of Fedora 19 were very, very cloud-focused. Alongside the Amazon EC2 images, which we've been shipping for the last few releases, we now also have generic cloud images, which will run quite happily with CloudStack or OpenStack and a number of the other cloud providers. Rackspace um, have even launched them on their OpenStack cloud and they're just easy to deploy into pretty much anywhere. Um, I, I believe you can even run, run them on VMware. So when we talk about upstream and we talk about what Fedora means to the Red Hat Enterprise, the next proposition. Fedora is really valuable in the respect that it allows us to get latest, greatest out there from understanding what packages are eventually going to end up in the next version of RHEL. Do you think even more so with cloud that it's necessary to get bleeding edge stuff out there so it's easy to consume? Yeah, I think so. And the the advantage of thing, tools like Puppet and Ansible and various configuration management tools um, the six-month release cycle isn't so much a problem. And I'm seeing you know, quite a few people where they want the latest and greatest, so they'll deploy um, Fedora into their cloud to run that. And because everything's automated and you can basically just slip the next Fedora release in, um, the six-month release canvas isn't the sort of issue that it used to be because people can... Uh, it's automatic deployment, continuous integration. They basically put you know, Fedora 19 in there and they can slipstream straight into the latest release, the latest greatest features, whether it be the latest Ruby 2, um, you know, OpenJDK 8 sort of beta images, and um, it, with the likes of Puppet and that, because basically whenever they want more capacity, they just, it will automatically deploy new images, it, it's not the um, the problem that it used to be, where people were wanted a release for five years so they didn't have to upgrade. So for those people who are trying to think about understanding how Fedora fits into their their working environment from a DevOps perspective and from a from a from an open source perspective, Fedora is a great uh, birthing ground, isn't it, to get proof of concept stuff to rolled out there? Yeah, absolutely. There's um, because it's all the latest features. You get a lot of functionality. Um, that's new that won't hit your enterprise um, releases for you know six, twelve months, or even a couple of years, depending on how evasive they are. And um, you know, with the new version of um, Red Hat Enterprise Linux sort of upcoming, it allows them to sort of start to play with features, integrate, work out how they're going to integrate, you know, the new functionality in their enterprise. Um, with you know all these automation tools, so they can do it sort of quite easily and see what the impact will be when the new uh, when Roll Seven lands, whenever that may be. Red Hat as an organisation, it's not like we took our, our foot off the gas with regards to community, but 
we're doing more now with community than we've we've done in the last five ten years i mean if you look at rdo RDO's out there providing the upstream for uh, the latest, greatest Grizzly releases with OpenStack, providing the upstream facilities for Red Hat OpenStack as a supported certifiable technology. And there's a huge demand out there. But Fedora as well, you know, that's embraced OpenStack since day one. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were one of the um, first distributions to ship the full OpenStack release. And um, all the testing stuff, things like heat and salometer, um, are all in you know Fedora 19 ready to go as they were in previous releases before they were sort of e- even accepted as an open part of the open stack stack. Um, you also get other communities like Gluster um, running like Fedora 19 has the latest uh, Gluster 3.4 release which came out I think this week. All the block storage goodness. All the block storage goodness and you know much deeper integration with. Um, Quimu and hence OpenStack and Overt um, to give much higher performance and much sort of better integration. It's got sort of um, full ACL support for role-based access control and things like that, which is critical in enterprise. And also the 3.9.x kernel as well. Uh, of course. <laughs> and in actual fact, I think this week uh, the 3.10 kernel will land as well. And the 3.10 kernel is really exciting because if you look at all the, the goodness around sort of QMU and KVM in there as well. Absolutely. A lot um, more speed and a lot more stability. And um, Quimu and KVM uh, support landed for ARM in there as well. So we'll start to see some interesting stuff in the coming months regarding that. So I was over at Boston Summit and John wasn't in Lycra this year, wasn't on stage in a bike. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. But he was demonstrating the latest 64 bit ARM processors for the first time. And that seemed to go really d- down really well. It's a world first. Um, all the ARM stuff's in Fedora now. Absolutely. Um, this week, Fesco approved um, the initial integration of ARM 32-bit um, on our way towards being a primary architecture, mm-hmm. um, which is really exciting. Something that I've been working on excessive amounts over the last two and a half years, pushing towards it. And I daren't hope that we would actually be accepted, but um, vote went through and now we're going to be working as hard as ever to get it all in there and get it up and running and um, while we might not be fully accepted as primary architecture for Fedora 20, um, we'll be in using the build infrastructure, the release process, the QA teams are getting involved, mm-hmm. um, not that they weren't already but even more so and um, from that perspective it'll save um, myself and the other ARM guys a lot of time in that you know, having to sort of manage multiple build platforms and things like that, giving us more time to integrate more features and really apply spit polish to it so that when F20 lands, even if we're still a not quite primary architecture, it'll be there and there'll be a great experience for users to play around with the latest and greatest technology. Now, we lost Seth a few weeks ago, which was a a huge, huge, huge loss to the community. Yeah, um, I think the Fedora community and the Red Hat community and all sorts of other communities will be reeling uh, um, in that tragic loss for quite some time. I mean, every day when I run Yum and various other bits and pieces, um, yeah, it brings a tear to my eye thinking that, you know, won't be able to sort of... Argue. (laughs) 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 Argue, um, listen to his... Rants. 
Well, no, he, he's reasoning where you just sit there and go, I can't argue against you because you're so goddamn right all the time. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. I, I, I published the last email that I had from him, which was just typical Seth. And I was sitting yesterday with three of my Fedora 19 boxes doing a Yum update. And I said to my wife, you know, this takes on a, every time I type it now, it just takes on a whole new dimension. Yeah. 36 is just way too young we've 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 lost one of the the brightest and the finest yeah and but i mean he'll be around annoying us for years and years to come i mean yum will be part of rel 7 and with extended life cycle support it'll be around for 13 years from when released so uh he'll be in our minds daily for well into the 2020s okay so part of this podcast is dedicated very much to the memory of seth vidal and all of the hard work and the effort and the love and the dedication that he put into both the Fedora and the CentOS and all derived distributions that use YUM, but also infrastructure and architecture, which was just as much a passion as well, doing it right, doing it right and for the right reasons. And the amount of arguments, or not necessarily arguments, but heated discussions. And I think sometimes out of heated discussions comes good code. And he understood that better than most people. Yeah, absolutely. And and he was passionate about all the projects he was involved in. Like the Fedora infrastructure team um, have suffered a massive loss. And um, But, you know, some of the stuff he's... I know recently he's been passionate about Ansible and, and, mm-hmm. and some of the um, Ansible stuff that he's been doing has been really interesting to me because, you know... It, a lot of the um, configuration management stuff seems to be revolving around Puppet at the moment. Mm-hmm. Puppet's great, but it's not perfect in all circumstances. And I wasn't even aware of Ansible until Seth came along and sort of started discussing it. And it was just like, wow, this is some cool stuff. Fedora, published by committee, would you agree? Um, I think the term they use is metrocracy. Metrocracy. Okay. That one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's people who are very very passionate about the work that they do. But also, you know, it's a six month release cycle. And there's a huge amount of work that goes into that. Yep. I mean, it, it's almost a second job to me. The I have my day job out working with enterprise customers, and I come home at night and sit down in front of the TV with my laptop and continue on my second job, Fedora. But I mean. As well as being a job, it is passion as well to do uh, it right. Just uh, as you said, absolutely. You know, and all the work that you were doing with the one laptop per child and all the arm stuff—you you must take a, a huge amount of, you know, pride in the, in the respect every time you know you see a release and there's there's the latest release notes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it, it's a passion, and it's—I um, mean, Linux has done a lot of good for people right around the world, and you know, things like ARM, where you can get, you know development devices like the Raspberry Pi for, you know, and the BeagleBone Black for like 40 bucks um, brings uh, computing and Linux to a whole new world at a whole much lower price point and, you know, it will give, you know, people in the developing world access to things that they never thought they could. I just want to go on the record to thank you for your two years of service as a board member for Fedora, which you've just given up or been released from, paroled from? (laughs) Step down. Um, Yeah, it was... um, People don't realise how much work being on the board is. We have, you know, weekly meetings and ongoing um, IRC and email discussions and... But, I mean, it doesn't end there. You continually wear the board hat and... um, 
you know, it, it was an interest, certainly an interesting two years. I mean, there's been a lot that's changed in Fedora over the last two years. And, um, but I think, you know, two years is enough and it's sort of time to step back and allow some new blood to come in and sort of take the baton forward. Fedora 20, the pathway ahead, it's already started. Oh, it started um, long before Fedora 19 was even released. Mm-hmm. Um, Fedora um, branches off their releases just before Alpha, and at that point in time, um, the main Rawhide branch will be what Fedora 20 is. So um, there's been a lot of us working on a lot of Fedora 20 features even bef- long before Fedora 19 even came out. Pete, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time. Thank you.